0: you're listening to a mint podcast brought to you by hd smartcast on selling long term shares or mutual funds you have to shell out 10% of the profits in taxes this is when the gains are above rupees 1 lakh if you sell a property the tax is even higher at 20% but there's a way to save all this tax if you reinvest the sale amount in a house there's no tax to pay Section 54f and 54 allow these tax breaks on long-term capital assets. In a way, it's also tax-free compounding for home buyers, as there is no tax to pay on the investments at redemption. In today's episode, I will tell you all about the magic of these two sections. Hi, and welcome back to Why Not Mint Money. I'm Shipra from Mint's personal finance team. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money journey. Hi Karan, welcome to Why Not Mint Money.
1: Hi Shikrita, good evening. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: So Karan, let's start by understanding the key requirements for Section 54F. Like what are the two or three key requirements to qualify for it?
1: No, Okay. Section 54F basically is an exemption section wherein if you sell a capital asset and you buy a residential house, you can claim exemption. The first key condition it says it should be a capital asset other than a residential house. I'm talking about the asset that you sold. So if you've sold a residential house, then 54F is not applicable. It is 54 which gets applicable. But if it is other than a uh, residential asset, like say a commercial property or shares or any other asset, then 54F gets applicable, number one. Number two, this asset you should be a long-term asset. It's not that you purchased the asset like a few days back and now you're selling it. So it should be a long-term asset. That is the second condition. And the third condition is that the new asset that you're buying, it should be a residential house. You can either buy a residential house or construct a residential house. And there's a time frame defined within which you have to do it. So these are the... Three most important essential components to be taken into account for fifty-four F.
0: Uh, so, current. Why is there a separate section for residential property? Uh, is it does that not count as capital asset in IT laws?
1: See the uh, on residential property, the law is more favourable, and there are a lot of exemptions granted as compared to other assets. Yeah. So, in case I am selling a residential asset, I only have to reinvest the capital gains. Whereas if I'm selling a other asset, say shares, I have to reinvest the entire sale proceeds. So that is the fundamental difference. A lot of people confuse between 54 and 54 F and we've seen a lot of CAs also getting confused. But the first and uh, even online when we read a lot of articles, even many times the author is confused. So, it is very important to note that there is a difference between 54 and 54F. 54 the fundamental difference is for 54, it is residential house. 54F, it's other than residential house. Right. Number two is, uh, in 54, they have also said that if I sell one house and I buy two houses, that right. is allowed, which is once in a lifetime. Okay. However, the gain should not be more than 2 crores. This thing is only mentioned in 54, not in 54F. Okay, fine.
0: Okay.
1: The third difference is in 54F they put a condition i cannot own more than this number of houses
0: right.
1: whereas in 54 there is no condition i can have a 100 houses and still claim an exemption but in 54F they've put a maximum limit on the number of residential houses i can own so 54F is very a very restrictive section everyone is not able to claim the benefit of 54F but section 54 is more favorable
0: that's right why, why do you think the government gives so many tax breaks on residential property?
1: See, there is a very old saying that everyone should have roti kapala makhan.
0: <laughs>
1: so, if somebody is buying a house for this purpose, then it is the duty of the government to give them a house. If the government cannot give everyone a house, then at least give exemption on buying a house. And the government does promote a person for buying a house. Whether you're selling an asset and buying a house or whether you're taking a loan to buy a house. Government has been giving a lot of benefits and the government will continue to give a lot of benefits.
0: That's right. But like I don't you
1: know, think there's anything wrong in that.
0: But like you said, in the case of 54, uh, you can own as many houses and still, you know, reinvest in claim exemption. Yes. But isn't that yes. again, you know, that's uh, I mean, you're not allowing that or any other capital shares.
1: Yes. Yes. I, I get what you're trying to say, but there's some exemption somewhere. Yeah, so let it be now.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, so the fundamental difference that you mentioned that in the case of 54F, it the entire sale proceeds has to be reinvested. Uh, so yes. what happens in a case where the sale amount of the capital asset is higher than the purchase price of the property that you're going to buy?
1: Then we get proportionate exemption.
0: Right. And is there a formula or something that needs to be followed?
1: Yes. yes. So I'll explain this with the help of an example. Ah. Say, for example, I sold the property for 1 crores and my capital gain was 50 lakhs. Although I was required to invest the entire 1 crores, but I only invested 80 lakh rupees. Right. So I have to see for 80 lakh rupees how much was the gain. If for 1 crores the gain was 50 lakhs, then for 80 lakhs the proportionate exemption would be 50%, that is 40 lakh rupees. Right. So we do proportionate.
0: Right, right. Mm. Okay. Uh, and when you're uh, when you're buying a property and you want to claim 54F exemption, uh, can you use
1: sale
0: mm. proceeds of more than one capital asset? Is that allowed?
1: Yes, that is allowed.
0: And what about clubbing 54 and 54F? Is that also allowed?
1: That is also allowed.
0: So talk to talk about more intricacies of this section. Um, Can somebody use the sale proceeds to, say, pay an existing home loan?
1: See, the law nowhere talks about payment of home loan, neither in 54 nor in 54F. That is immaterial. All we see is when was the house purchased or when was the house constructed. If the house was purchased or constructed within the specified timeline, you can do anything with the money. The law nowhere talks about home loan repayment. Right. The law talks about purchasing a house. You've already purchased the house first.
0: Okay, so as long as all... So,
1: the, all, all yeah.
0: So, as long as you're fulfilling so, all the other conditions of the sections, it is, it is okay. It is okay. Right. Right. Okay, now, uh, so if somebody is buying a house in joint ownership, you know, that is one case. The other case is that you sell your capital shares in joint ownership, but you buy the house as a single owner. So in both these cases, how does it work out?
1: Sure. So let's first take the case. I sell the property on my individual name and I buy it as a joint owner. Ideally, if I'm the amount that I've invested in buying the house, I can claim an exemption on that. Okay. Let's take an example. If I sold it for 1 crore and I'm I'm buying a new house worth, say, 1.2 crores, and I'm contributing 1 crores, my partner is contributing 20 lakhs, I can claim an exemption. Because in that case, my share in the property is equivalent to the exemption I'm claiming. That's right. So that is allowed. Right. So all we see is whether, you, whether it's like I'm selling individually and buying jointly or selling jointly, buying individually. My share of capital gains should be reinvested or my share of sale proceeds for 54F should be reinvested. Right. Irrespective of whether there's two owners or 10 co-owners or 20 co-owners. We do per person. Is the per person amount being reinvested? It may happen that I am reinvesting my share of uh, capital gains, but my partner is not doing his share of capital gains. So I can claim the exemption. He cannot claim the exemption.
0: Uh, Right.
1: And it can also happen that I own a property jointly. And we sell that property and i buy a different residential house and my co-owner buys a different residential house and both of us are able to claim the exemption
0: yeah right it is
1: not necessary that it should be the same house only
0: right so it should basically basically be proportionate to your ownership in the asset whether you're buying or whether you're selling
1: yes yes yes
0: okay so one question on the purchase price of the property that is being bought uh do mm. registration and stamp duty also make up the purchase price yes right
1: they okay. are included
0: what happens in a mm. case where i am already living in my house but i want to reconstruct mm. does that is that eligible for exemption
1: see this can be broken down into subparts. if i am say breaking my house and constructing a house that is okay that is allowed if I'm staying in a house and I'm constructing another floor on top of it and I call it a new residential house, that is allowed. So it's a new residential house could come into existence. But if I'm just renovating my house or adding rooms to my house, that is not a new residential house which is coming into existence. So the test criteria is, is a new residential house coming into existence?
0: Okay. In the second example where you said that you, if you build an additional floor on top of the building, In that case, how do you define that Hmm. it's a new residential unit, like a standalone unit? It could just be an addition. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, one can also read it as a renovation to your existing house in the sense that you're adding two rooms, but on an upper floor.
1: (laughs) That is right. But when we construct a new residential house, there are some basic parameters. There's always a kitchen. There's always a pantry. There's always a separate electricity bill. There's always a separate water bill. Are these parameters being met? Right. If these parameters are being met, then you can call it a separate residential house. Okay. But uh, if these are not being met, if you're just having two floors, then that's not a separate... Uh, sorry, if you're just having two rooms without washroom or pantry or without even a separate electricity connection, right. the officer will contest it. It say, okay, this is not a new residential house which has come into existence.
0: Right. No.
1: Let's take another example. I, I I sell one house and I buy another house. Now I was uh, getting small house. So what I did was I got two adjoining units, and I clubbed them into one.
0: Yeah. Now can
1: I claim an exemption? There is a case law on this. This matter reached the courts. The court said that if there are two houses which are adjoining, and the person is using this as a single house property, you can claim the exemption. Right. Although these are different units. Right. I'll tell you another case law. Law says you should cons- construct a residential house property. Law nowhere says that this residential house property should be constructed on a residential land.
0: Ah, right.
1: Again, this matter reached the courts. Wherein the person had constructed a residential house on an agricultural property. Right. The law allowed it. The courts allowed it. They said, okay, I can live on a residential uh, land as well.
0: Right.
1: So, so there are a lot of intricacies. Yeah.
0: So in such cases, there's a high possibility that it might lead to litigation. There's also a high high possibility that you you know the fa- the ruling will be in your favour. But I mean, on the face of it, it might not be accepted. But once it moves to litigation, and the courts will allow you to claim that.
1: I'm not denying that it can move to litigation, but there are some cases wherein all the courts have said that okay, this is allowed.
0: So what so are if
1: all the courts or most of the courts are saying okay this is allowed or logically it is allowed that's okay but there are some cases wherein different courts have given different opinions. Kolkata High Court will say something, Karnataka High Court will say something, right. Delhi High Court will say something else. Right. So in that case, it is very difficult to predict.
0: Right.
1: What? Uh, how will the officer take it? But if there is a unanimous view or logically as well, it sounds good. Yeah. Then you can go ahead and take risk.
0: Right. And what happens in a case where say I'm living in a small house and I am reconstructing it in the sense that because I'm going to extend it. So, of course, I have taken down some part of my house, but I'm only extend. Mm. I mean, I'm not like I haven't rebuilt it from scratch. So I might continue to use this Mm -hmm. older kitchen, but I've like I've made a bigger kitchen maybe.
1: No, they will not approve it. Ah. They will not approve it. Right. You break down the house, you construct a new house. That's a new residential asset which is coming into existence. They'll allow it. But if you're renovating or adding new rooms to it, that will not be allowed.
0: Right. Okay. Got it. Okay. Now some questions on, uh, uh, you know, plot. So if one does plot count as you owning one property, if you have to claim, sorry, you owning not more than one property, if you have to claim 54F. Um, no, second, the
1: plot does not count.
0: Oh, it does not count, is it? Okay, so if I own one house and I have an empty plot, so according to IT laws, I only own one house, residential house.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Right. And say if I, if I sell shares and I want to use those, I, mean use, I use the sale proceeds to buy another property, mm-hmm. so I can buy, I can construct a house on that plot, that will count as a as a residential property. Yes. Right. Right. Why doesn't the IT laws treat plot as residential property, even if the plot is in a residential locality and can only be used for residential purpose?
1: The law, the law specifically says the if the income from that asset is taxable under the head income from house property, we'll call it a house property. But the income from a plot is not taxable under head income from house property, it is taxable from income from other sources. Right. So, so that is the reason. It's not that they've clearly said that, uh, okay, we will not consider a plot. They've mentioned if the income is taxable under the head income from house property, we'll consider it as a house property. A plot is not considered as a house property. You can't live on a plot.
0: Right, right, got it. Uh, So again, to talk about the timeline, uh, the timeline is that the house has to be built either two years, within two years of selling the capital asset, or it was bought one year before the selling, uh, before selling the asset. Am I right? Yes. Okay, so what in a case where I don't intend to buy my house until the next year but before that I have to file my ITR?
1: So, in such cases what the law says is in the ITR you have to claim the exemption. So, how do you claim the exemption? So, in such cases it says, okay, you go deposit the funds in a capital gains account and you claim the exemption in the ITR. In the ITR you show that, okay, you the capital gains account and whenever you want to buy the asset, the residential house, you withdraw from the capital gains account. This capital gains account can be opened in a PSU bank and it works like a normal bank account. They pay you interest as well. It's only that the funds are earmarked for a specific purpose that is for buying or construction of a house property.
0: Right. And then you need to use the funds within the stipulated timeline to actually buy the house. Otherwise you'll have to pay capital gains tax on capital. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, a lot of people have this confusion that no, you have to deposit in the capital gains account. away. But no, that is not the case. The law gives you time till the filing date of the ITR and we recommend that don't go and deposit immediately. In fact, a lot of people ask this question, can I receive the funds in my savings account in my normal savings account or I can only receive it in the capital gains account.
0: Right. So.
1: You can receive it in your normal savings account. You can keep the funds in your normal savings account till the time of date of filing of ITR. Right. And the date of filing of ITR for an individual is 31st of July. But for a business owner whose case is audited, it goes to September, October. In some cases, government as well. So before you file the ITR, you should have deposited the funds in the capital gains company.
0: Right.
1: There's another case wherein, say, for example... Uh, A person sells the property in October and goes and deposits the funds in the capital gains account in the month of July. So when we are considering the timelines for buying another property, then do we consider the the timeline from October or do we consider it from July? So uh, in this case as well, the law does not say from the date of depositing in the capital account, the law says from the date of sale of the asset. So the timelines would still be considered from October only and not from July.
0: Okay, so when we're talking about timelines, say if somebody has bought an apartment through a builder, apartment house, whatever. So in that case, if the builder takes more than three years, the three-year timeline for, for them, what what would it be?
1: See, uh, there's a circle around this, wherein what happened was uh, their self-financing scheme by the DDA, and the DDA does not give it on time, then what happens? So for this, there was a clear-cut circular by the government, wherein it says, if Uh, the dda does not complete it on time the person can still claim the exemption but that was in the year 1996 that is a circular after that is there any clarity on this from the government the answer is no there's no clarity on this from the government that if a private builder delays then what happens although logically it is beyond the control of a taxpayer to get it built within the timeline because if the builder is delaying then the taxpayer cannot do anything about it. Let's be honest about it. A small flat owner does not have any powers. Right. But for private properties and for private builders, this is a very litigative point.
0: Right. But then there are two dates. One is date of buying and then there's date of possession. So does that make a difference?
1: See, if a person has registered the property, then we can call it, okay, the it has the registration has happened and the builder has said okay the registration has happened but in most cases the registration does not happen the registration happens only at the time of completion of construction right if the registration happens before three years then you can go ahead and claim the exemption but in most cases the registration happens at the last stage
0: that's right so in that case like what option does the taxpayer have
1: see the taxpayer in such cases we recommend the taxpayer to Play safe. In some cases, it is clearly visible wherein the builder is saying that, okay, the construction will commence, uh, will complete after four years. And uh-huh. in such cases, don't even touch the property where the construction has not even started, where the builder is himself saying that the construction will complete after four years. Don't even touch those properties. Right. We advise everyone to play safe because there is lack of clarity from the government. Either buy a ready-to-move-in property or buy a property which is, say, completing in six months or a year. So that even if it gets delayed, it will get delayed by an year. So even then you are within the stipulated timelines. Don't take much risk and we recommend them to play safe because this is a very litigated point and you may win or you may lose the case.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, Karan. Uh, this has been very insightful and I'm sure that it will help a lot of listeners to it will clear a lot of doubts for our listeners. Uh, And so it turns out that because we've done two stories back to back on 54F, somehow readers, you know, seem to be loving this topic because we're still getting a lot of questions. We're still getting a lot of queries. So (laughs) I'm sure that this podcast will help uh, clear a lot of doubts.
1: I'll tell you, this is a never-ending topic. You can have 10 more podcasts. I can tell you 100 more examples of different cases and people will still continue listening to it because this is such a wide and practical aspect which impacts a lot of people.
0: Right, right.
1: What okay. happens in this case, what happens in that case? So, yes, yeah. it's a very wide and a very interesting topic.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's right. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining I us.
1: We've done a very good job in uh, covering this.
0: Okay. Thanks. That's very kind of you. Yes. Thanks a okay. lot.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.
0: That brings us to the end of today's episode. If you would like to know more about this topic, or make a suggestion of a personal finance topic that you would like us to cover, I can be reached at Twitter under the username of Shipra Singh Sarath and on LinkedIn at Shipra Singh. Thank you for tuning in. See you in the next episode. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms.